He's the host with the most. And this is The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. Good morning. Yes, indeed, it is the Saturday show. And indeed, it is me, Edward Hayden, with you and with you right through until 12 noon. And hopefully you're in a position to stay with me and us until then. Uh, David will be back again with the news at 11 o'clock. And thanks so much to him. And also thanks to Natalie for easing us gently into our Saturday morning with lots of talk and music. And of course, the big quiz, Arash Arish, this garden, Shachon Lakun of a day. Now, what have I lined up for you this morning? Well, as usual, we've a jam-packed show. Our resident gardening expert is poised and ready, so Shirley Lanigan will be bringing flowers of the fairest to you very, very shortly and, of course, telling us all about um, the Carlo Gardening Festival which is opening today and uh, our own Shirley is featuring in that as well. Uh, we're also going to chat, Martin Bridgman is here, we're going to chat with him a little bit later about Sinead O'Connor, um, who passed away during the week and there has been uh, a lot of tributes flowing in for the incomparable Sinead O'Connor during the week for sure uh, another O'Connor uh, in the music world is joining us as well Louise O'Connor who's a Shannon's dance instructor and fiddle player she's going to be performing at the Keeper Lit Festival in Innistig um, on the 18th to the 20th of August she's going to be doing some workshops so she's coming to tell us all about those as well also you would have heard during the week the new proposals regarding pharmacists having the capacity to write up medication there has been a task force set up to look at and examine this and lots of controversy um, around it as well and lots of mixed views. Send us your views and let us know what you're thinking to our KCLR text line which is 0833069696 you can text or WhatsApp there your thoughts on that um, maybe let us know what your situation is with regard to access to your GP. I think that's one of the things that people are saying that access to the GP can be uh, difficult in some parts uh, but Tomás Quijote, uh, owner and pharmacist at New Park Pharmacy will be coming on to help us go through the minutia of that as well. Uh, the Kells Kings, you have to say that slowly, the Kells Kings uh, is um, fast approaching as well. It's the 19th of August and Bill Cuddehy, who is chairperson of Cushnore Cancer Support Centre, um, the charity benefactor for the Kells Kings, is joining us in the studio today, as indeed is Peter Roberts, who's a member of the Kells Kings organising committee. They're going to tell us all about how we can get ready for that. And Anna Mae McHugh, who's the managing director of the National Ploughing Championships, will be coming along to tell us how things are motoring along for the uh, National Planning Championships and also telling us about um, the qualifying rounds for the Brown Bread competition which takes place in association with Aldi, the National Planning Championships and the ICA and the... Um, the, 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 the semi-finals of that is taking place in on Greenon in Termonfeck in County Loud this coming Tuesday as well. So Anime will be joining us as well. That and lots more besides here on the Saturday show. 0833069696 is our text line right throughout the morning. A couple of early texts in as well. Hello Edward, would you please send best wishes to Nolene Walsh and Paul and all of their staff in Walsh's lotto shop, Ferrybank Kilkenny, who are finishing trading today after 
for um, 27 years. Thanks for serving all their customers so well down through the years. And that comes in with best wishes from Andy and Fidelis Doherty from Glenmore in County Kilkenny. Keep the text. Greetings, dedications and requests coming in to us. We'd love to hear from them. But before that, let's head over to the telephone line. And on it, we're joined by Shirley Lanigan, our resident gardening expert. Shirley, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Good morning, everybody. Good weather to us all. Oh, good weather for sure. Now, I'm sure, Shirley, you were looking a little bit more attentively at the weather this morning. I just said in the introduction, the Carlo Gardening Festival is starting this weekend. Uh, So good weather would be, uh, it's conducive for looking around gardens, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I mean, not even good weather, just dry weather for a little, for a week. No galoshes required. Oh, I don't know how many. I've, I, my, this is a terrible thing. This summer, my boots sprang a leak. Now you shouldn't be able to discover that your 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 welly boots sprang a leak in the summer, really, should you? No, no, definitely no. not the time to be oh, discovering that. <laughs> um, Shirley, anyway, t- there's so many good talks going on, and no matter what the weather is like, it's going to be it's going to be a lovely week in Carlo. It really is. And what's interesting about it, Shirley, is that there's not necessarily a kind of a, an epicentre for the festival. It's straddling right across uh, Carlo Town and County. Absolutely, absolutely. There, there, there. You've got um, Huntington Castle, the Delta Sensory Gardens in the town, Altamount. Everybody knows Altamount. I'm in Kilgrainy. Um, where else? Arboretum. Uh, Shankill Castle. There's just there's a great there's a great splash of places where there are going to be talks. And you know, if if you haven't seen some of these gardens, it's a great thing to be able to go along, go to one of the events, and then wander around the garden and and basically spend the whole day. Burtown House is another one up there at High, a Hardy Mount just outside Tullow, the most beautiful, romantic little um, walled kitchen garden. Oh, it's delicious. But the one I'm thinking about now, and I really like to look at it because it just, it just sounds so realistic. You know, the way we always think, uh, you know, the, 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 the big famous gardeners, everything goes well for them. Everything goes right for them. Mm. But Alice Fowler, who a lot of people will know, she writes in The Guardian and in The Observer. And she apparently, this is a real COVID story. She planned on moving away from her big Birmingham garden just before COVID. And she was going to buy a lovely little cottage in Wales and she was going to turn it into a fabulous garden. And then COVID struck and it all went completely wrong. And she ended up, as she said, in a tiny terrace house with a titchy garden on a very steep hill in Wales. And she had to completely rechange all her plans and try to figure out how to turn this tiny little awkward spot into a garden. And I just think, it's you know, those are the sort of things that the rest of us have to deal with. And it's very interesting to see how somebody, you know, with talent and know-how would deal with that same conundrum. So I think that's going to be a very good talk. And she's giving us in Altamount. And everybody loves Altamount. It's a gorgeous Friday, spot. Friday, 4th of August. Yeah, so that's the one that I'm looking forward to. But there are so many of them. It's a, it's a wonderful festival. Carlo is so well served. And Shirley, it's a great opportunity, of course, for people to go along and have kind of like, you know, face to face access to kind of very proficient gardeners who carry a wealth of, of knowledge. Oh, 
Oh yeah, I mean, if you can manage to corner corner one of these people with your questions, you're you're going to end up with a really good answer. But what I would say now, this is a terrible thing. I often see you go to these talks, and somebody in front of you will open their handbag and pull out a mangy leaf with a bit of spots or some bug or something on it, or a chunk a chunk eaten out of it, <laughs> and they'll ask the person, "What's wrong with my plant?" And you just think that's such a waste of somebody who's got such an amount of knowledge because you could look up any gardening book on, in the pets, pests and diseases section. There's always pictures and you can very easily find out what it is that's caused that trouble on your poor plant. So if you're going to ask a question, like ask a really good question. Like for instance, if you've got an awkward area in your garden, ask them, you know, what would you plant if you had, uh, you know, a really dry spot or a spot that's constantly soggy, you know, get 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 your money's worth out of them. For sure. And people, uh, Shirley, have you got the um, website to hand where people can see the full list of programming for that? It's Carlo uh, Carlo Garden Festival. Just look that up on the web, and it, it will give you all of the dates all of the different talkers, the, 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 all the details, the prices. Some of them are free, some of them cost. There's some where you can actually go and eat. There's one in Shankill Castle where there's a supper club um, and a foraging workshop as well as uh, chats about the kitchen garden. So anyway, on the website you'll see all of the dates, all of the venues, all of the, the, the different people that are talking and, and a description of the talk so that you can find out you know, if it's what you want. And you can book your tickets. It's what? www.carlogardentrail.com Lovely. And of course, you're marrying the kind of the, the kitchen and the garden together, Shirley. You're doing a feature on herbs in Kilgraney, am I correct? Yes. Kilgraney is, is a, it's a beautiful herb garden. And I'll be talking about herbs in general, but also about, you know, nice, easy, easy ways to use them, both in the kitchen and, and, and elsewhere. How oh, fabulous. And that's the 5th of August. Yes, uh, Thursday. Thursday the 3rd of August. 3rd, sorry. apologies, apologies. Uh, now, Shirley, I sent you a picture this morning uh, from our texture with her Afri- with their African marigolds. And the texture says, Edward, can you please show this photo to Shirley? Overnight, they've become like this. They're washered regularly, but are now dry and crisp. They actually... Now, I know they're dry and crisp, but the ground around them is looks like it's sopping. Now, they've been watered regularly by the rain, as well as the rain, the, the water that you've been adding. And I actually think that those poor marigolds have drowned. Okay, the water does look, or the yeah. ground does look very wet, actually, as I zoom yeah, in on it here. Yeah. And would they deadhead? Will they, will they, will they, um, will they replenish? Uh, you could try deadheading, but to be honest with you, they actually look so miserable. If you were to, it's not a huge area of them. I would actually, uh, because these are, they're, they're one-offs, they're annuals. They're only going to be there between now and October. I'd take them out and I would put it, go down to the garden centre. You might find there's a bargain to be had on, 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 on bedding. Or you could buy yourself maybe uh, one or two dahlias because the dahlias will flower between now and basically the first frost. And they won't be annuals. It's an investment plant. You know, you'll, ha- you'll have them next year and the year after the year after. But I think it's, it's too late for those little annuals. They're, they're, they're sort of gone to mush. 
you could try to save them, but you know, by the time you have them saved, the season will be over. So I would, I'd cut my losses. I'd get to the garden centre immediately. And as I say, at this time of year, because a lot of people have already put in all their plants, you might actually get a bargain. But one or two dahlias will fill that area, give you flower up until the first first frost. And as I say, it's an investment plant. You'll have them next year as well. But be careful. Feed them and water them, but wait until they go dry before you feed them. Don't have the ground drenched all the time. They will come. They will. Uh, they, they will uh, survive a little bit of dryness rather than too much wet. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mary was on as well, Shirley, and Mary said, um, "Edward, can you please ask Shirley? We have box hedging. Some looks withered and whitish flakes off of it." Do we need to treat it or will that go away? The hedge is well established for about 10 years. Oh, box is, box is turning out to be one of the most troublesome plants you could possibly have in the garden. The one thing I would say is if anybody is thinking of getting box, don't, right? Because oh. it's, just, it's, it's too much, it's too much bother. This, it's got, everybody's got box blight. It's an awful disease. Now you can treat it. There's a, there, a lot of people would feed it with seaweed. Don't cut it as often as you might want to cut it. And there's a, a, a product called Top Buxus, which people use as well. And between that and the seaweed, you can get rid of it. But then it, it, it's quite likely to come back again in another year or two. It's a very hard disease to deal with. And it sounds like that woman's got a case of, 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 of box blight. So she could go to the garden centre and, 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 and get some of those remedies, see how she gets on. But in the long term, sort of just know that from time to time your box is going to look awful and you're going to have to treat it and you'll get it back in good shape for another while. But then it will, it will, box blight will be back. It's, uh, it's just a misfortunate thing. If you were going to plant a new box hedge, I would say don't go for box. Go for, there's, um, there's a lovely little holly called Ilex crenata, which has tiny little leaves, a bit like box. Hmm. There's a beautiful euonymus, which has tiny little leaves like box. Um, there's a whole host of other you know, shrubs that you could grow instead of box and they won't give you any grief. But if you've got it, just know that you're going to be treating it off and on um, for as long as you've got it. And Shirley, do you know the way you can hear tell of people who sometimes, and maybe this is incorrect, can you take out part of it and replace it with a younger uh, plant? Is it, is it easy to kind of, if you like, separate or segregate the kind of the offending piece? It's not that it's not that easy, really, okay. because there's no guarantee that the plants you put in won't succumb to the the the, 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 the same box box blight disease. Mm. Okay, wise advice there, um, uh, Shirley. With regards to pollinators, you know, we still hear so much. Um, you know, we're listening to you know constant talks about you know climate and meeting targets and everything. But talk to me about, you know, simple ways for pollinators, because sometimes if the task is too arduous, we can get daunted by it. But um, maybe talk about uh, some simple injections of pollinators into our garden. Basically, every time you decide on putting a plant into your garden, make sure that it's a flowering plant. And, and, and wherever possible, go for simple open flowers. Now, what I'm just going to do is think in terms of Think of a rose, you know, a really fat rose. 
it's very hard for a pollinator to make their way right in between all those hundreds of petals to get at the nectar and the pollen. But think of an, an open daisy-like flower where the pollen and the nectar is out there on show, easily accessed. So every time you put in a flowering plant, try to put in plants that have nice, open, easily accessed flowers. And you can't go wrong because basically between trees, shrubs and flowers, flowering plants and herbaceous perennials and, and even annuals, there is an endless supply of fabulous pollinator-friendly plants that you can put in your garden. So if you aim to always plant things that will be useful to pollinators. That's the best thing you could possibly do. Another thing you could do is don't try to get rid of the clover out of your lawn because bees adore clover. So don't try to get rid of the clover out of your lawn. Um, if you've got ivy on a back wall, don't, don't, don't keep it all clipped in tight, tight, tight. You want ivy to flower because the ivy flowers give the early emerging January, February queen bees, vital food when there's nothing else around. Mm-hmm. So keep, make, sure you, make sure you don't chop back your ivy. If you're putting in a hedge, put in a flowering hedge. If you're out in the country, put in a flowering hedge with native plants in it because those are the ones that the bees love the best. Such as, Shirley, what's, you, a, what's a flowering hedge now? What would that white be? Thorn, black, white thorn, black thorn, oh. holly, even holly has flowers. As I said, um, uh, uh, something like um, rowan, uh, but basically white thorn and black thorn, you can't go wrong. If you have blackberries, only get rid of, only pull out brambles and blackberry bushes where you need to, because again, those little um, flowers are beloved of the bees. The Delta rose, Put that in your hedge. You get beautiful flowers for the bees and then later on you've got those fabulous red berries that the birds will adore. Uh, Catoniaster is another one. You've got flowers for the bees. You've got um, berries later on for the birds. Uh, What else am I thinking? Dog roses. Open, simple dog roses. Put those in your hedge as well. Again, you've got flowers. You've got hips. You have everything. So the more natives you use and the more flowering natives you use, the more welcoming your garden will be to all sorts of pollinators. And remember, it's, it's not just the lovely big fat bumblebees and the honeybees that, 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 that are pollinators. There are hundreds of different pollinators and some of them are tiny little sort of uh, insignificant creatures. They look like flies, but they're not. They're various different sorts of bees and wasps that are useful as well. So welcome them all in and, um, and, and, and let your garden go a bit scruffy. You know, it's it, as I say, don't be chopping back the grass. <laughs> let the clover flower. They're not into the manicured look. Not into the manicured look. The, the pollinators, they want, they want a bit of wild. They want a bit of scruffy area that they can go and nest in. You know, they, they, they don't do well in a bowling green. Let's put it that way. There you have it. Shirley, there we must leave it. I'm going to let you out and about because no doubt you're uh, packing your notebook and your flask to head out and about for the gardening festival. We remind people it's running um, from today right through until the 5th of August. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and, and actually, as I talk now, the sun has just come out. And oh, well, there you have it. There'll be uh, there'll be plenty of gardening fun all week, no doubt. Shirley, thanks so much for joining us, and happy Saturday. 
Um, the same to everybody. Have a lovely weekend. Thanks so much. That's our resident gardening expert, Shirley Lanigan, there joining us on the line, telling us all about the Cardlow Gardening Festival happening from today. Now, let us take a little break and we'll be back chatting about Sinead O'Connor. If any thoughts, uh, any uh, memories that you have on Sinead O'Connor, let us know. Send them to our KCLR text line. It's our dinnersready.ie text line 0833069696 for all of your texts and WhatsApps. Let's take a sus. This Saturday show with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Now, you're very welcome back. Edward Hayden here with you on the Sash the Show. Keep the messages coming to us. 0833069696. It's our dinnersready.ie contact line. And I'm joined in the studio by our own Martin Bridgman because, as you know, Sinead O'Connor passed away uh, during the week. Martin, good morning to you. Edward, how are you doing? I'm very good. Uh, Martin, um, just before we start, I saw a beautiful quote on the paper during the day. So rather than pass it off as my own words, I lifted it directly. <laughs> I so would have checked. I'm giving that, I'm giving that, uh, I'm giving that, um, disclaimer straight away. But the little piece said, gone at 56, she crammed a lot, good, bad, but never indifferent into those years. Married four times, a much loved mother. She'll be well remembered and best remembered for a great voice that haircut an often jaw-dropping mix of honesty and bravery and some amazing music and I really thought it kind of captured the essence of it doesn't it when you've you've heard as much as we've heard over the last couple of days it proves a couple of things that I've always been maintained and this is I, I didn't know her I won't pretend I did. I think I said uh, to Sue the other day, I was in her presence, and I use that word advisedly. Back in the 80s, there was a Battle of the Bands competition which happened in the Ambassador Cinema. Don't know what it is now, but it was a cinema. And they'd have either Quadrophenia or Absolute Beginners. And then there was a Battle of the Bands. It was brilliant. In Balliot Clear. In And uh, I was on stage with this particular band, getting set up and ready and getting her stuff ready, sound check and the whole lot, went backstage and all the other bands were there. And this woman walked in, this, I, I, I couldn't describe, I was speechless. And I wasn't the only one. There were, there were fellas and girls in the band I was involved in and we all looked at her and go, wow, there was a presence about her. And you go, well, look, I mean, if you're looking for for bands and all this sort of thing, and you're told, oh, if you look great, you'd get away with murder and all this sort of thing. And she was stunning. You couldn't take your eyes off her. But when she started singing, it was all over. There was absolutely nobody else in the entire universe that you could focus on. Now, she worked with some amazing musicians, but that wouldn't have worked if she hadn't got the voice that she had, number one. And the, the presence about her, and I heard... I think it was Brian Kennedy said that she had the voice of a lion, but she could also be a lamb. And um, it was I that, heard that, him, yeah. It was that, how how can somebody who's that brave as a singer and so forthright have this vulnerability about her that you just wanted to go over and give her a hug? Mm. You just tell her people loved her and your music is brilliant. And you not that you don't have to worry, you, you have to work at your craft, obviously. But you're not as bad as you think you are. Because she had, and, and, and I, I knew musicians who worked with her, and she would work them hard. She knew exactly what she wanted. And she'd keep going with the band and say, I want this to sound like this and this, and they'd, they'd, they'd get it right. And then she'd turn around, and, and like a child, she'd go, was that okay? Mm. And there was that, 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 that two sides of her. And I think it made her a supreme singer, because she got inside whatever the song was 
one she wrote herself and they were forthright and powerful and meaningful and angry and brave and all of those words that were in that that brilliant description but there was something about it you just said she's gone she's not there at all she's in that song and she did that every single time she opened her mouth for sure and there was that 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 vulnerability and we've heard so much stories over there so many stories over the last couple of days about her about her talent you know she was really a kind of an advocate for the marginalised in, in all forms and whatever I'm wondering, and, and it's a word that's used a lot, of course, and it was often used in her singing in terms of, you know, that internal trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she was a troubled soul, mm-hmm. carried an awful lot of, of complexities uh, around that. I wonder from where did that come? Was it from, you know, trying to carry other people's problems or was it that kind of lack, that self-doubt? Yeah, well, she had a very troubled relationship with the mother, which she wrote about. And mm-hmm. this is the thing about her. You you, you know, I, I always remember looking at Gay Bourne when she appeared in the Late Late Show and he just wanted to lean, and he often did, he'd lean over and go, what's what, what's going on? Like you would with a, 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 your your brother or sister might ring, oh, we're having terrible trouble with her. Would you have a chat with her and see what's going on? She won't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And Gay Bourne always struck me as that uncle mm-hmm. and he could get things out of her. Um, but at the same time as that, you read her book and it's very brutally honest about this is what happened with me. This is what happened with my family. This is what happened with me and my mother. And it's obvious to anybody reading it without a psychology degree that that was a big part that of her life. Trauma. She ended up in um, a fa- one of the, 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 what would you call it, the teenage Magdalene laundries because she was shoplifting. And she's, she's on record as saying, I think I was looking for attention. So was she not getting attention at home or, or what? It is, and, and everything is after the event. But I think what it was, she got, to, it, it just struck me that she went to a point, I said, well, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say what's on my mind because that's the only way I can deal with the world. And if that was what she thought of somebody, what they should have said, um, I've, I've read quotes she sent to Piers Morgan had her on the programme and he, 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 you know, he was trying to portray during the week how much they got on together. I've seen the stuff she sent him. Mm. She was not happy about him. What he did, how he did it, all that stuff. And she was not afraid in that sense to say what she felt. And as you said, the marginalised, I mean, she was she was um, honoured in a way that, that friends of mine were at the, the Choice Music Awards and they said the whole place just stood up when she walked on stage. Just stood up. It was an album she'd done so many years ago, but the love in the room was gobsmacking. And she dedicated it to all refugees everywhere in Ireland. That's that right. was that was her thing. I mean, she worked behind the scenes. She wore traveller pride, pride, repeal, women's aid, whatever woman's issue she was asked or not asked, she would support. Mm. And that was always her persona. But meanwhile, um, to to some, her life was chaotic. But was it? You know, who, who are we to judge? That, that's how she lived her life. Uh, I know uh, reading, uh, again, reading about the time and knowing people who worked her at the time. When that first album came out, which was jaw-dropping for somebody her age, she was pregnant on her first child. Her marriage or relationship at the time wasn't going places. And then all of a sudden, as if she hadn't enough on her plate, she suddenly turned into one of the biggest rock stars in the world because of that one video. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Gay, of course. Gay yeah. championed her uh, oh, at absolutely. every opportunity. Yeah. And you could actually see, and I, 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 you brought to mind uh, him leaning in. It was that avuncular figure. He, yeah. But he got her, 
he liked her and she liked him. Yeah, they just seem to have that relationship. And I don't know, you know yourself, Edward, you don't let people on and, and speak their mind without having some sort of a guardrail. Mm. But I think she trusted him enough to know that he's given me an opportunity to speak my mind about something or sing a song or talk about an album or whatever it is. But he's going to let me. He's not going to give me a s- scripted ideas of this, mm, that and the other, mm. but I always got the feeling, and I think it's just a general feeling about Gay Byrne as a broadcaster, he knew where the line was and he knew where to jump in if he had to. Mm. But he rarely did. He would say something like you would say, if you have a friend of yours is talking crap, mm. you go, oh, come on. Oh, no, you can't say that. And there was an element of those, those things. I remember seeing them live. And then she'd walk over to the microphone and you forgot everything that you might have disagreed with her about. Everything. Every single thing you just went, hold on now. Just just stop talking. We have a couple of texts in here with very interesting messages in, in very short sentences. Mm. Uh, I bring a couple of them to you. A texter says, and says, Sinead was such an advocate for those with mental health issues and injustice. She'll be sadly missed. She was our politician. Mm which I think That's is an interesting true. phraseology. And, and go back to the the, the, fra- the, the the thing that comes back, because I, I don't think people realise how uh, much of a drama the, her tearing the picture of the Pope up yeah. caused. In America, she was what we would now today call cancelled. She was cancelled, gone. That was it. You'll never work in this town again. A couple of weeks later, she was at a Bob Dylan tribute night. She stood on stage. No, she stood on stage. She didn't run off the stage. Yeah. She stood on stage and she took sustained booing and abuse and screaming and roaring in a group of people. And Chris Christopherson came over to her and said, don't let them grind you down. And I've, I, I have to read the exact thing, but essentially what she said is, I'm not. Mm. And she stood there. And as Anne rightly said, if you think of the two major things in her life and the, the other quiet stuff, I'd, I'd share one of them in a moment, but the, 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 the very obvious thing where she said, fight the real enemy. A couple of years later, she was vindicated. You know, 92, 93, that's when things started to crumble away, this edifice of the Catholic Church and a lot of horrible things came out that hadn't been spoken about and shouldn't be spoken about. We, we don't go there. She went there. She went there and she had a platform as a singer and that, that she went for. And in more recent times, that awful tragedy that befell her family, her son. Mm. Um, what happened during the week? She was saying this a couple of years ago, that the cam service is not fit for purpose. What does that mean? My son should be alive and he is not. And he's not the only one. It wasn't all about her. But she spoke openly about it and criticised and ranted and railed. And look what happened this week. An official report said essentially the same thing. So even at the end of her life, when we don't know what her state of mind and health was, she was still advocating on behalf of people who didn't have a voice. For sure. Another texter says she was so strong for others, yet fragile within her own body. And I suppose we're going to we're going to play uh, Nothing Compares to You. And I think, uh, as I said, she's joined the break. It's yeah. kind of the anthem, you know. It is. There's a list of songs and yeah. you're, you're kind of I, I, tempted on the radio to yeah. play lots of them, yeah. but your hand won't but lead you no, towards no, that no. button. And, and it, 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 I remember the first time I heard it. It wasn't long long married living in Dublin woke up to this song and I was going that's Sinead O'Connor that's a Prince song what the hell is that and I was rooted to the spot and I was half awake when it came on whatever radio station was listening to in Dublin at the time I just whoa what the hell is that and then shortly afterwards the video came out you'd want to be made of granite not to find that affecting 
not to. And then and I read an article from Oisin Ingle in the Irish Times this morning who would be of a similar similar age or whatever. Mm. She was there. She had the cassette version of that first album, worn out. Worn out because she was this warrior woman. There's, it, um, she, there's a song on that first album which I played the other night on my own show called Troy. And it mentions miserable Dublin in the rain. That's the image. You know, I'm not putting up with this and I don't want this. And Mandinka was, I can't feel any shame. I can't feel any pain. If you think of, of, of women of that age or who would have been young women, girls becoming young women, that was empowering stuff. Mm. The, the only rock stars we had were were men. And that's not being dismissive of them. You had the Thin Lizzy's, the Rory Gallers, Van Morrison, you two, uh, and other bands that were starting to emerge around there. She was the only female artist of a similar stature, and I would argue a greater stature. Well, listen, here she is. All we can do at this stage is wish her peace um, and many people's lives has certainly been punctuated. And you yeah. talk about Roisin, yeah. people will be glad to have been there, yeah. you know, to whatever that uh, impact it will have been impactful for sure. Uh, here's Sinead O'Connor with Nothing Compares to You and indeed Nothing Compares to Her. This Saturday show with Edward Hayden. KCLR. With thanks to Lyreth Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on Lyreth.com. Now, Tough All Share Ash, Edward Hayden here with you. Um, good morning. If you've just joined us, 083-306-9696 e contact line. Uh, lovely to have that beautiful piece from Sinead O'Connor just before in the break. And of course, lots of reflections from Martin Bridgman a texter said she stopped the whole world for three minutes with that song which I think is a gorgeous uh, message as well a few texts in there that uh, came in a little bit late um, I think I had a little glitch for Shirley so apologies about that so if you did send in a message uh, for Shirley apologise and uh, please send it in again next week we'd love to hear from lots of lovely pictures there and lots of good questions uh, as well uh, please say hello to Kathleen and that's from Vanessa so happy to do so good morning, Kathleen. Hopefully you are in good order this morning and Vanessa sends her good wishes to you. Um, another texter says, Edward, please wish everyone a safe journey traveling to County Clare this weekend to the 40th anniversary of four of our Carlo boys that were sadly drowned together, um, after a festival in Listoon Varna. So sadly missed by all. And, um, we send our good wishes to you this morning, um, as well. Now, let's head over to the telephone line and on it we're joined by Louise O'Connor who's a Shannos dance instructor and fiddle player who's uh, tuning up the fiddle and uh, polishing up the shoes for the Keeper Lit Festival which is taking place from the 18th to the 20th of August uh, in Innisteague in County Kilkenny. Louise, good morning to you. Good morning, Edwards. Uh, lovely to be chatting to you. It's lovely to chat with you as well, yeah. and thanks for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Um, of course, Keep uh, Her Lit as the festival is returning to the beautiful surrounds of our glorious Innistig and a uh, stellar lineup this year of uh, workshops, talks, and storytelling, and lots more besides. You're doing a set dancing workshop on Saturday the 19th, Louise. That's right, Edwards. I am. Um, I'll be teaching a couple of sets there from scratch. Uh, so all levels of dancers are welcome and anyone that already knows the sets and um, they might like a bit of a, a refresher as well. So it'll be very relaxed and it'll be just about 
crack and everyone getting out and enjoying themselves. Well, I have no doubt, but it'll be well populated yeah. because there's actually <laughs> yeah. a great history around the area and there's a great movement um, around this area of set dancing at the minute. So I have yeah. no doubt that they'll all be out in uh, in full force for you, Louise. Yeah, yeah, we hope so. We hope so, yeah. Uh, we have the Kaylee later on then at four o'clock. So anything that people learn, uh, we can, they can put it into practice then with the live music and we'll also, I'll also be teaching everything from scratch again at four. So it'll be a very inclusive affair altogether. For, for sure. My next door neighbour does set dancing and, and, and does it very well and she's excellent at it. And sometimes yes. when I look at, when I look at people doing it, I mean, it's a very impressive feat of choreography that always looks as if it's done to militant precision and never out of time. How do you kind of get that level of proficiency or how easy or how difficult is it to learn it for any uh, set dancing virgins that might be listening this morning? <laughs> it's, very, it's very simple, Edward. I, um, I, I teach in Dublin and I teach people um, from from scratch and I, I really put an emphasis on everyone enjoying themselves, you know, and not not for it to be the you know, the perfection I think comes over years, but really I just want to, people to enjoy the music, um and enjoy you know, just have the crack amongst themselves and, you know, for the perfection to come later. <laughs> if if you if you want, um if you're looking for perfection in it. And um for the Kaylee then we'll have it we'll have a couple of sets but we'll also have two hand dances and dances like the Siege of Venice. So we could have um kids, parents, grandparents, you know, that'll be or the idea is it'll be a real intergenerational event and um very, very simple. So um yeah, not nothing intimidating at all. Yeah. How gorgeous. How did you get into it yourself, yeah. Louise? Where did the, the, uh, the dancing start? Is uh Os Contian Clar? Tommy Oscondon Clar, I thought. Um yeah, I, I started um really from when we could walk. <laughs> my my mother had us dancing in sets um in the kitchen and there was five of us so we had almost a full set. So um five children and uh, my you, were, you were almost self contained. Yes, exactly. Um my grandfather was a dancer, um he danced, uh, we used to dance at parties and house dances growing up, you know, so there are some family of farmers on both sides, so the, the music and the dance was just a way to kind of let loose, I suppose, and, you know, get all the neighbours together, and really that's, that's still what it is for me, you know, it's just about kind of getting people together and, um, you know, letting everyone blow off a bit of steam, yeah, so carrying on that, that tradition. Which yeah. is which is great, and then talk yeah. to us about the Shannos dancing. I know yeah. um, the, yeah. the one lady that I've seen around our area here. There's a, a lady in in um, oh god, uh, I can't near Tullow. I can't think of the name of the place uh, at this minute. But Marie George Ballon, uh, Marie George yeah. does a lot of of Shannos dancing as well. That's kind of can be individual as well, can't it? The Shannos. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I that's having a big wave of a comeback I think um, for sure there's a renaissance yeah it is it's great I, since I, I'm a fiddle player and I play in sessions a lot so the channels makes a lot of sense to me because it's so improvised and it's so um, it just I feel like it fits in so well with a session the kind of organ, organic nature of a session that you know anything could happen and Shannos is um, it's very individual and it's very you know you're being an instrument kind of with the um 
with the inst- with the other instruments in the session. So it feels very um, natural for me to be dancing it as, as part of the session. And I'm teaching people, I try to encourage as much as possible, get out to a session and do a few steps because everyone loves it, you know, really raises the, the energy of a session when someone gets up and do, does a few steps. And there's such a spontaneity or a, a perceived spontaneity about it as well, isn't there? It's like as if the yeah. rhythm and the music is just kind of, you know, completely taking over the legs and the feet. That's absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely it. Um, one of the first times I saw it, I saw an incredible dancer, Stephanie Keane, up on a table in Doolin. She's one of my dancing heroes. But um, I, I saw her dancing up on the table and I just thought that's, this is it this is the dance for me (laughs) you know it was just such uh, yeah just like someone's just overcome by the music altogether and it's um, yeah it's just a free very free beautiful kind of dance I think Absolutely no it's 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 really great and of course the message for these workshops that are taking place at the Keep It Lit Festival is that you don't need to be a set dancer you don't need to be proficiency you can be a bog standard beginner Louise and you'll put us through our paces Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I'll um I'll be teaching from absolute from the very beginning, and we'll just take take our time. And uh, yeah, there's absolutely. I have seen all kinds of dancers um come into Kaylee's and workshops, and uh, yeah, we we always just we always just have the crack. And yeah, no set dancers and all are welcome. Absolutely, we love to have all kinds of dancers. But um, yeah, there's no need for experience at all. Lovely. Well, Louise, it was lovely to yeah. talk to you and um, look forward to that. I know you'll enjoy your time in Innistig. It's glorious uh, over there. Uh, glorious yeah. and clear, of yeah. course, as well, but um, it's yeah. it's glorious. Uh, keepherlitfestival.ie is where people can get all of the full details um, of the workshop and the festival and they can sign up for you. But for now, Louise, good morning and happy dancing. Thank you very much, Edward. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, Louise O'Connor there, Shandos dancer and uh, fiddle player as well. Irene Cunningham does a few Shandos classes in Carlo every year and it's always brilliant fun, says the texter. Another texter uh, saying, please wish the Carlo Camogie under 16 team good luck today, especially my granddaughter Ellen Barrett. They're playing Westmeath in Burr and that's with thanks from our texters. I'm so happy to do that and good wishes uh, to them as well. Now, we are going to take a little break here on KCLR. Lots to come in the second hour of the show, including Tomás Quijot, owner and pharmacist of New Park Pharmacy. He's coming on to tell us all about the new proposals regarding pharmacists having the capacity to write up medication and the government task force that has been set up to examine that. So uh, let us know your thoughts on that. Let us know about access to medication access to doctors let us know would you be happy for your pharmacist to be writing up your medication uh, as well so 083-306-9696 or dinnersready.ie contact line but for now let's take a break and then we'll be heading over at 11 o'clock or shortly thereafter to David Abbott in the newsroom This Saturday show with Edward Hayden KCLR with thanks to Lyrath Estate Kilkenny's luxury hotel perfect for spoiling yourself more details on lyrath.com 
Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Edward Hayden here with you. 0833069696 is our dinnersready.ie contact line here on KCLR. Now, um, lots still to come in this hour of the show, including Bill Cuddihy, who is chairperson of Cushnore Cancer Support Centre, and Peter Roberts, member of the Kells Kings Organising Committee. They're going to tell us all about Kells Kings 2023 with Cushnore there being the benefacting uh, benefactor of the funds raised. Uh, Anna Mae McHugh, Managing Director of the National Ploughing Championships, will be chatting with us ahead of um, the um, regional finals of the Brown Bread Competition, which takes place at the National Ploughing Championships, and that's taking place in uh, Ungry and on in Termenfec and in Drada and County Loud this coming Tuesday. But before all of that, um, we're chatting with Tomas Kehoe, owner and pharmacist of New Park Pharmacy, because uh, there's options to enable pharmacists to extend prescriptions for a range of medicines and conditions are currently among measures being examined by a new government task force. Minister Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health during the week, said pharmacists are highly trained, valued healthcare professionals who already use their extensive training and expertise in medicines to help people every day. Empowering pharmacists to use their expertise to assess and treat certain ailments will help patients get the care they need sooner and closer to home, but the benefits will go much further. It can help reduce demand on hospitals, walk-in clinics and GP practices around this. Uh, lots of different and conflicting views um, about this. So text us your views 83306 to our dinners e contact line. But as I said, we're joined on the telephone line by Tomas Kiho. Tomas, good morning to you. Hi, Edward. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I'd probably give a quick correction to you there. It's actually Kyo's Pharmacy in New Park, not New Park Pharmacy. Oh, apologies. Uh, slight, slight apologies. <laughs> apologies. No apologies. No bother at all. Uh, happy um, to have that correction. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, talk to us no about problem. the task force, um, Tomas. Yeah, like it's, it's up in the air at the moment. Um, it's, you know, I, I think it's very positive for me. Um, I think it's badly needed. Um, in my opinion, um, my wife is actually from Tyrone, so they've had a minor ail- ailment scheme in Northern Ireland for years, um, and it has very positive benefits. Um, I think if you look at our health service at the moment, for how long, you know, we've had trolley crises for years every winter. We've first world country, but nearly when it comes to the winter, a, a third world health service um, when it comes to the hospital trolley situation, um, and that's no disrespect to anyone working, the people on the ground, you know, your doctors, nurses are absolute run ragged. They're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're uh, core. They, they never stop. Um, but unfortunately, you know, there, there's help needs and uh, there's things need to change. So, if it's done right, I think it can be very beneficial. There's, there's, um, I suppose, uh, mixed views, as I said, uh, with regard to this. There's some suggesting that a task force is obviously to look at it, but it is kind of seen as a fait accompli, uh, really, that it, it, it's kind of, it is going to happen. It's just kind of looking at the kind of the minutiae of how. Would you, would you think that's a fair statement? Yes, yes. And look, it, it, this is going to be probably the, the real important factor with it. And I probably can give you, Two examples, um, you know, one positive, maybe one negative, Please. where, you know, a few years ago, um, they set up the new health mail service or the email prescriptions. Fantastic service, um, well warranted, working very well, very streamlined. And um, the negative one, I'd say, is if you look at recently, they've um, approved 
two drugs, one for sickness and pregnancy, the Caravan, and also um, Saxenda, which is another one for weight loss. Um, but the rigmarole is the GPs have to go through to actually get approval. So the Caravan is consultant only to have to do a pr- an approval process to already stretch consultants. It's just extra work on them. There's a lot of uh, red tape around it. And when it comes to Saxenda, the weight loss drug, um, I've actually yet to have a person that's been approved. The criteria okay. is so stringent for it. So in theory, this could be fantastic, but it's really going to depend on how it's how it's put in and, and the options available. Um, as regards, kind of even giving a quick example for, you know, helping the help or the health service um quick one, it mightn't even be one on their agenda, but this year for some reason there seems to be a fierce amount of quite bad insect bites. Um, I've had probably five or six people in the last few months that if they had gotten, say, a low dose like of an antibiotic cream in the early stages might have saved um, some um, hospital appointments. So I had two people actually that um, needed IV antibiotics for cellulitis because their GPs were overrun. The GPs couldn't uh, get an appointment to see them. The patients, uh, the over-the-counter remedies weren't enough for them. Um, and then between wanting to hold off because the waiting times in, in hospitals, um, it just might have left it slightly too long and uh, they ended up needing IV antibiotics. So that, the instance like that could be quite remedied if if they're, they're run correctly. In, in the new system. Talk to me, Thomas, yes. where you think the line will be, the line between uh, going to your um, local pharmacy for medication or for intervention and going to the doctor. How are we going to uh, establish which pathway to kind of to choose or where where we kind of need to progress from one to the other? Um, to be honest, like if you look at the GPs at the moment, in fairness to them, they're, they are run ragged and I'm probably repeating myself a lot. But if you look at the waiting times that are there for appointments, I got a lot of people, um, their pharmacy probably should be their first port of call within reason. Um, you know, for it, it's obviously, you know, case by case dependent, but a lot of circumstances you know I, I people come into me every day of the week um with with different ailments and it's it's our training our expertise to know right can we help them at the moment or do we need to refer them on um and and that comes down to our training to be honest with you and and this is obviously if this comes in will be to help the gps and um it'll be to, to take the workload off them and especially when we look at the winter months you know when the real pressure comes on Absolutely. But I suppose my, my, my point is, where do we kind of then not go in, in the new system to the, to the pharmacist? So if I needed, obviously, I, I think my understanding is that if I needed my regular prescription, you know, reissued, I could go to the pharmacy and, and the pharmacist would be happy to write that up. If I had kind of like a, a, a flu or something like that, uh, or if I had something that I needed an, an antibiotic for, I could go to the pharmacist for that without going to the doctor. Is that is that correct? It, it, this, from what I'm gathering, yes. I, mm. I, I think it, it, it's kind of been modelled similar to the, the ailment scheme up north, which would be, so say, simple ones that maybe a conjunctivitis, um, you know, that, that there's, there's really only two um, antibiotic treatments for conjunctivitis on the market. Um, and if, if we feel 
you know, they come in and it's it's can be treated quite well with a, a simple um, antibiotic cream, well then, you know, we'll hopefully be in the position to prescribe it and, and dispense it. Whereas if it's looking, you know, no, this is our train and says, no, there's there's more to this, we'll refer on to the doctors. Looking at the pharmacies, I mean, it's been seen by many as a really good idea. Looking at, at the kind of the pharmacists and the pharmacies around the country, um, your own included, but around the country, is it going to kind of then, you know, uh, transfer the problem that we have in the GPs? So if the kind of the GPs are going to be under savage pressure to kind of issue appointments and to be able to see patients, if now there's going to be a, a tsunami of people heading towards the their pharmacy, how is that going to impact on kind of, you know, need for additional staffing and the capacity for the pharmacists uh, to, to, to kind of attend to the amount of people attending? Look, it, it will have an impact, um, but I think any of the pharmacists around will, will welcome it. Um, if you look, we can probably look back to even when COVID hit, there's no pharmacy in the country closed its doors. We kept the, the work uh, force mm. going, we kept everything going, so we adapted, and it's about adapting. And if you look to back then, you can probably, we can all look back and as a pharmacist with a, with a nice bit of pride that, you know, we did keep our doors open, that uh, we were able to adapt to the, um, you know, increase pressure there so I I would welcome it yeah I think I think it's uh, it's well needed and, and something probably does need to change with the, with the health service um, it's probably unfortunately the easiest way to say it is it's it, it, health, the health service in Ireland at, at the top end is very political and you know to, to improve that I don't know how we're going to do it for sure. Um, we're all familiar, Tomás, that, you know, all of the, the, the pharmacists have a really good uh, relationship with the local doctor and there's a kind of a really good line of communication and, as I said, a pathway of entry uh, around that. Do you think that a situation like this and whatever the task force will come back with has the potential to damage the, the relationship between the doctor and the pharmacist? Because uh, ostensibly, you know, we're going to be helping to relieve the, the, the waiting lists and all of that sort of thing to go to the GP. But there's obviously going to be a financial implication for the GP because if I'm not going to the GP to get my, you know, my conjunctivitis diagnosed, I'm not going to be then, you know, paying the GP for that, for that professional service. Yeah, and look, I, I understand that, um, you know, but if you if you look at, you know, the current situation in Kilkenny, for a lot of the GPs or uh, practices, they're actually stretched with a two to three week, you know, wait for some patients. I know they, they have emergency um, on calls, but I'm, I'm seeing it day in, day out. Um, the financial aspect of it, it, it depends on how things are set up. It might free up time for the GPs to actually, you know, pursue other services or give, um, you know, other um, consultations for patients. This is this is going to be kind of up in the air, I suppose. Um, but it, ultimately, we're here for the patients, and I know there is maybe financial implications for both ways. But if you look at it, we're here to to help people, and um, any extra help that people can get to me is a positive. Absolutely, for sure. And just on that, then the, the flip side of that, um, there doesn't seem to be any clarity as to whether or not there will be a kind of a, a financial implication for engaging the professional services then of the pharmacist. So will we have a model, do you think, whereby we'll be then paying the, the pharmacy 
to kind of to, to diagnose and administer medication for our conjunctivitis using your own uh, example or what's your understanding yeah. of that? To be honest, I actually don't know. And, okay. and that's being honest. I'll follow the, the guidelines, um, you know, when they come out. It, it depends. This is our IPU or in talks um, with the task force. Um, what's going to, what way that'll go, I don't know. Um, all I know is from judging from experience, uh, as I said, my, my um, wife being from Tyrone, yeah. I know the minor ailment scheme up north works very well. Um, and it, to me, as soon as I heard it, I, I would love to see it go on that route um, because it can take a lot of pressure off the health service. And I'm sure they'll be looking at, at prototypes like that when, when establishing the, the details of it. Uh, tell me, Tomas, uh, you're relatively uh, new in operation there in Kehoe's Pharmacy. How is it, how is it going? How's business, uh, how's business going uh, for you at the moment? Yeah, great. I've been very happy now. It's um very positive. Look, it's 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 a great location. Um just the, the parking alone in um ar- around here is fantastic. Um there's great footfall and the local businesses are, are excellent too. We kind of all row in together. Um it's yeah, it's 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 a lovely place and and so far business uh, has been has been very good for me, thank God. Absolutely. And people can follow you online as well because you do lots of uh, good information points and and, and kind of key popular uh, pieces online as well. So you might uh, direct us to where they can find you online, Tomas. Yeah, um, well, you can find me on Instagram. We're under uh, Tomas Kyo Pharmacy um, on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page as well. Um, I haven't gone near um, your Twitter yet or, <laughs> or TikTok or any of that. <laughs> but uh, your uh, Instagram and Facebook is where you'll find me at the moment. Well, listen, Tomas, thanks so much for uh, offering us some insight and clarity on the current situation regarding that at the moment. Uh, thanks so much and good morning to you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Now that's Tomas Kehoe from Tomas Kehoe Pharmacy there uh, joining us to tell us all about that. Uh, Edward says a texture. It would be great to ring doctor, have to make appointment that could be three or four days. And uh, what's more maddening when you go to the surgery, the place is empty. COVID has changed everything and not all for good, uh, says a texture. So again, um, there was a lot of kind of uh, telly telediagnosis going on during uh, COVID and our texture here suggesting that they may like an element of that to still be available as well. Um, as I said, the devil is in the detail. It will all need to be worked out by, by this task force. Uh, five pharmacists sitting on the task force. So no doubt that will give, um, perspective around the minutia of it as well. Now, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on that situation are 083306 9696 it's our dinners ready.ie contact line for now we're going to take uh, a little suspiog erash erish ikyan kuplin o maith fun on show lunch in our facebook our twitter august our instagram kclor this saturday show on kclor with edward hayden now good morning you're very welcome back edward hayden with you if you've just joined us here on kclor lots to come right throughout the day and of course Eddie Hughes will be out in Gorn uh, with the Saturday brunch for the uh, big event out in Gorn Park there today as well so lots happening and of course the sports team uh, running right throughout the afternoon 0833069696 is our dinnersready.ie contact line now Kells Kings um, is almost upon us it's coming to us on Saturday the 19th of August 
And I'm joined in studio by uh, Bill Cuddehy, who is chairperson of the Cushnore Cancer Support Centre, the charity that will benefit from the Kells Kings, and also by Peter Roberts, member of the Kells um, Kings Organising Committee. Uh, Peter, I might come to yourself first, if that's all right. Uh, you can it, tell. Good morning. good morning. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, tell us the uninitiated what the Kells Kings is. Right, well, Kells Kings, this will be the 10th uh, physical cycle and the 12th cycle because we had to obviously stop for COVID. But uh, usually it was held on the last Saturday in August, but we've changed it this year. Hopefully we'll have good weather because unfortunately last year it was very bad weather. So it basically is a cycle in aid of uh, Kushnoor. The money that's raised is uh, given to Kushnoor. A very, very small percentage, about 10-15% is given to some of the local uh, village, Kells Village Mm -hmm. uh, community groups. And uh, the idea is uh, it's a day of fun and a day of exercise and a nice day to go out. And we have three cycles this year. Uh, the 116, the 85 and the 30 kilometres. So Absolutely. I, 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 I'm blushing about your uh, definition of fun. It's a big undertaking. Ah, look, we're probably getting used to it now. I mean, sure. credit has to go to the Power family, uh, who were the ones who started it all off uh, about 12 years ago. And uh, with COVID and all the rest, they decided they probably had enough or they had done enough work and they were passing over the mantle. So we took it up but to keep something in the village alive and we thought it was very good to be raising money for Kushnoor. For sure. Tell us about the route then, uh, Peter. As you said, there's a 30 kilometre, there's an 85 kilometre and there's a 116 kilometre. What, uh, what route does that, does that take? Well, the 116 I'll mention first because it goes down near your, your place in Great okay. Amanda there. So, uh, oh, the lovely. 116. Worth the journey then, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the scenery is beautiful on the way down because sure. when you're going from the roar into Great Amanda and all that and then coming out of Great Amanda up to Cupna Hill, if it's a lovely day, the scenery is just fantastic and while it's difficult and hard it's still a beautiful cycle for those who are used to doing that distance but uh, you head out from Kells uh, if you're going the 85 and the 116 down to Kilmagani cross country into Mullinavash cross country then uh, over into into uh, Ennesteeg through Ennesteeg onto the Roar at uh, Brownsbarns Bridge the uh, 85 and the 116 separate with the 85s going back up to Thomastown the um, what do you call it? The one sixteens head down to the Roar and across into Greg the Manor and up into Cupna Hill, back into Thomastown, meet up at the eighty fives, onto Goats Bridge, meet up at the thirty kilometres, into Stony, Ennisnag, and back into Kells. Jesus, <laughs> you'd be mad for the cup of tea after that. It's it, it's great. It sounds like great fun. I know lots of people who've who've done it and have always uh, richly enjoyed it. Um, I'll come back to you in just a second because I just want to talk about who could or, or, or couldn't do it. But Bill is with us as well. Bill Cuddehy, chairperson of uh, Cushnoor Cancer Support uh, Centre. Bill, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Uh, Bill, of course, you know, we're also familiar with, with Cushnoor Cancer Support Centre and its need for funds in terms of the kind of the services that it has the capacity to provide. Events like this, I'm sure, are but good news for Cushnoor. Absolutely. We are actually dependent upon um, the community for support in raising funds to provide the services that we provide. Um, Currently, uh, state support uh, uh, that we get via the National Cancer Control Programme would come to less than 10% of our budget for the year. Now, we're hoping to improve on that. We're putting an application to the HSE for more support. We hope we will get more support. But 
that's urgent for us actually because it's a considerable gap it is a considerable gap but we're also expecting that we're going to be busier because we're in the process of purchasing um, a house at the moment uh, to move our operations uh, we're currently and have been working out of a very small space in Walken Street and we're indebted to the Cody family of modern printers who have given us that site rent free for, for over t- 10 years at this stage but um, it's no longer big enough for us to provide the services uh, that we are providing at the moment. And um, so we are fortunate that we have raised some extra funds in recent years, but we've also uh, been lucky enough to have uh, access to a a loan that will entitle us to, uh, to buy this house. And we... Now, once we buy the house, we then have to do work on the house to make it fit for purpose. Mm. So we will be back on a major fundraising capital drive. This is for our current budget for spending on day to day, but it will be a separate capital um, drive to raise funds to pay off the loan. The experience of uh, other cancer support centres, um, say in Waterford and in, in Leash, when they moved to new premises was that within five years, their number of new cases trebled. We would expect that our caseload, our workload is going to increase as we increase our, our profile and uh, and as we have better facilities to work from. So we will, even though we might get more support from the HSE through Section 39 funding, which we're hoping to get, mm-hmm. we will always need support of the community. And so we're really appreciative of the likes of Kells Kings and really appreciative uh, to the Power family who started it and to the rest of the committee who have t- taken it on and to the whole community in Kells for helping to support us and to raise funds. Uh, separately from the from the new development bill, give us a sense of the state of play currently with regard to uh, Cushno or what it is that you're doing, who it is that you're working with and the services that you're currently in a in a position to, to provide and perhaps, you know, the volume of traffic coming through. Well, we currently have actively a 300 service users approximately that we're helping at the moment. And last year alone, we had 146 new clients that came to us. Now, um, when you look at new cancer diagnosis, uh, you would expect that there would be on average, um, excluding uh, minor skin cancers, um, but including um, uh, melanoma skin cancers and all the other cancers, you'd expect over 600 in the county of Kilkenny in any year. Uh, new new cases. Now, not everybody who gets cancer is going to require the help and support of a cancer support centre. A lot of people have the, a lot of help and support in their own community, in their own family, mm. or are, you know, are able to get by without. But quite a significant number of people who have the diagnosis, either themselves or their family members, are really going to need help because a cancer diagnosis is really like a bomb going off in a family. It really upends all certainties. It, you know, your future plans are thrown into jeopardy. There's always financial hit taken with that as well in terms of uh, work and career and time needed off work. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's medical expenses, even if it's just car park expenses for the hospital, it's still expenses, you know. So, uh, so there's an awful lot of help that is needed. Um, so, we are very, very lucky that we have got a core of volunteers. They're highly trained 
volunteers that are available to meet our clients and our clients could be the person with the cancer or they could be the family support member of the person with the cancer Mm -hmm. or the children of the people with the cancer Uh, and we have trained volunteers and we have programs in place for for children and we're we are leading out in terms of providing programs for for children from age 5 to 11 and also for teens so we're the first cancer support centre in the country to have a, a specific programme for teenagers as well. So, and we've trained uh, counsellors uh, who are providing that that uh, counselling and all our services are provided free of charge to the service users. Um, we also provide, we provide one-to-one counselling, life coaching. Um, we've got hands-on service as well. So a person with breast cancer, for instance, very often as part of their treatment, their lymph glands are disturbed, so they end up with lymphedema or swollen limb on the affected side. And those people are going to need lymphedema massage on an ongoing basis for the rest of their life. So we are building up uh, a, a cohort of people over the years of people who require lymphedema massage. Uh, and we provide that service too for free. Um, we have oncology massage, reflexology. We've got groups as well. We have men's groups, we have women's groups, arts and crafts groups, breast cancer support groups, um, and they all need space in which to work. We are tied in with the Exwell program for exercise programs for people with cancer, and we hope to provide a gym space as well in our new in our new home on the Waterford Road. Lovely. So we've got huge plans and we really, our goal, our goal is modest enough. We want to provide a world-class service for people in Kilkenny. There's no reason why people in Kilkenny whose lives are affected by cancer shouldn't get what's best, what's best in class. And that's our aim. Modest yet required uh, in in fairness. Um, Peter, back to the Kells Kings event. Um, I was wondering just with regard to, you know, perhaps the level of proficiency or the level of training that someone would need in advance. Uh, I presume, and perhaps I'm incorrect in that presumption, I presume you just can't hop up on your bike on the, on the 19th and head off without some level of advanced training to kind of to sustain uh, a journey of the nature. Well, last year we, we only had the 85 and 116 and I would definitely say anybody who's trying that distance would probably need to have been training mm. or doing some cycling uh, of, of some distance beforehand. Uh, we introduced this year the 30 to try and make a bit of a fun run for those people who may do a bit of cycling during the summer. And the plan next year might be to separate the cycles even more and we might even introduce an ultra of 160 and again to try and provide a cycle to suit everyone's taste. So, yes, if you're doing 85, 116 or even the Kilkenny one, which I think is coming up, uh, which is 160 or something, you'd want to have been practising and training beforehand. But a nice event, really. Uh, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm probably am thinking specifically of the 30, but a nice event maybe for families to get involved in or even for the, the larger cycles, you know, for, for groups of pals who are kind of recreational cyclers, nice maybe to take it on in unison. 
Well, a 30k, if you had a group, I would say a lot of people might manage the 30k. might take them a bit of time, but they probably would manage it. Um, but I would say anyone who's a bit of a cyclist or who, you know, I see some people even cycling from Kells into town. Mm. And that's a 15 kilometre cycle. So if you go back home afterwards, that's 30k. You've done your route. Uh, so, okay, with maybe a break in between. So the 30 is not beyond the wit of most people to do if they're reasonably fit. Um, but I would definitely say that the other two would be for cyclists as opposed to someone just deciding today to do 85 kilometres. They can certainly try, but they might take the time. <laughs> I'd say take Monday off work would be the message if you were, if you were doing it without training. Especially follow-up car for them. I'd yeah, say. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, talk to me, Peter, about how people can register and sign up to be involved. Right. Is it all done in advance or can you do any on you the day? You can do it on the day, of course. As usual, we try to encourage people. Oh, so the registration sure. online, if you go to the Kells Kings uh, page, is uh, five or cheaper. But uh, yes, you can... We will have a registration table on the day and uh, you can come in and sign up then if you want. That's fine. No problem. We will have people there to, to take care of all of that. Um, the 116 and 85 hit off at 9 a.m. and the 30K at 10 a.m. So get there early is all I'd say. And from an organisational point of view, just in conclusion, you're you're fully sorted now. Your uh, all your stewards and signage and all that is in in hand. Well, the signage is in hand. The and we've a lot of the roads marked. We'll probably have the rest of them marked this week. Um, yes, credit has to go to the marshals. Um, there's an awful lot of people who pull together, and this year we've brought on some of the GA clubs. So uh, we have to thank all the GA clubs who have come on board so far. One or two are in touch with us and may confirm on the day that they'll be able to help us out. And that's a great help because we have about 75 to 80 marshals on the route. We try to keep it well marshaled and keep it as safe as possible. So, yeah, and there's a lot of people doing first aid and backup and food. And so there's an awful lot of people helping out. So we, we do have to thank all of those people for, for their help. That's a mail. Uh, and just to add to that, there is a, a remembrance lighting ceremony on the bridge in Kells, which happens every year. And I know the powers are still involved in that, Mary Theresa particularly. Um, so anybody who's there, that's a... a beautiful thing to see in the evening when the cycle is finished and you're driving over the bridge in Kells to see all those candles lighting on the bridge for loved ones. I have no doubt it's a, it's a powerful me- a powerful message for and sure. And if you're doing nothing on the day, Edward, you can be a marshal too. Thanks very much. Thank you. You can do the 30k. Thank you very much, absolutely. And take Monday off. Thank you very much uh, Peter and Bill. Bill, just in conclusion, just you would have heard Tomas uh, chatting before um, your interview in relation to the pharmacy you know, lots of, of, of mixed messaging, lots of different mix. This was your uh, your business as well in terms of the, the medical side of the house. Your own opinions on it. This is uh, pharmacists prescribing. Yes, for, absolutely. Yeah. Their yeah. capacity yeah. to write up medication. Well, and, and I, I, I see no problem with that whatsoever. Pharmacists are very well trained. There are loads of conditions which would be eminently suitable for for that. So I uh, wouldn't have any problem at all with it. Lovely. Looking forward to seeing the detail in that. Well, um, Bill, continued good wishes. You might come back and tell much. us about the developments as they as they happen. We will. And if we can assist you with your uh, capital uh, drive there uh, and getting the message out, we'd be happy uh, to do so as well. And Peter, good wishes with the event. And thank, thank you both you for much, coming Edward. into thank the studio you. this morning. That's well, Bill Cuddehy, chairperson of the Cushnor Cancer Support Centre and Peter Roberts, member of the Kells Kings Organising Committee and 
and you can check that out on kelskings.ie for registration and full details of all of that event. We're going to take a little break here and after the break we're going to be joined by Anna Mae McHugh, Managing Director of the National Ploughing Association. Stay with us for that. The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on Lyrath.com. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. OH3306 9696 is indeed our dinnersready.ie contact line there for all of your texts and greetings and dedications. I must tell you and send good wishes to the bride and groom. I was at a lovely uh, wedding party yesterday down in Greg the Manor, Margaret Whelan and Stephen Clegg. Uh, good friends of mine got married uh, yesterday today afternoon and a wonderful wedding reception was held in O'Driscoll's in Greg the Manor and it was absolutely uh, a lovely uh, a lovely day of togetherness so good wishes to Margaret and Stephen if they're listening this morning and many of their friends that I met at the wedding yesterday who are, are all great listeners uh, to the Saturday show it appears and they did assure me as I was slipping off early last evening they did assure me that they would be listening this morning I'm not perhaps as convinced as they were but uh, anyway, good wishes to all um, for sure. Now, delighted to be joined on the telephone line by Anna Mae McHugh, who is the Managing Director of the National Ploughing um, Championships, which take place in Rathaniska County Leash from September the 19th to the 21st of this year. And of course, um, lots of events taking place as part of that, including um, the National Brown Bread Competition, which is going to have uh, one of its um, qualification rounds this coming week uh, in Ongrianon. Anime, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Nice to chat with you. Likewise. Um, anime, at this time of the year, you know, people are kind of nestling into the summer and I suppose we're all meeting lots of kind of um, uh, combine harvesters on the road this time of the year. The harvest, you know, a, a little bit broken, I suppose, this year with regard to uh, the weather. But the harvest, I think, always brings us into the mind of the autumn and the autumn brings us to mind of uh, the, the ploughing championships. And you're heading back for Rathaniska. We are indeed, Edward, uh, and it's, it's the 19th, 20th and 21st of September and uh, plans are progressing extremely well for us. Uh, we are on the site there for the last week, uh, laying down the, the pegs for the exhibition and the trackway people are in that putting down the steel roadways. And that's well ahead of time now and we're very pleased about that. But of course the harvest, as you have said, uh, the weather has been very broken and difficult for people, big tillage farmers, to get maybe three or four fine days together, you know, and, and that has been difficult for them. But however, uh, there was never a, a crop lost yet. No, that's that's the truth. Uh, I suppose, you know, people mightn't necessarily think of the, the enormity of the undertaking. Here we are the 29th of July and you're talking about the pathways that we're all going to be walking on the on the 19th of September. But there's a big lead into an event of this scale. I mean, the arena is massive. It's massive because if you take the exhibition alone, there's almost 150 acres under that and it's it's completely booked out at the moment. We have created a waiting list for the exhibition area. You know, we have great support from uh, north and south of Ireland and mind you, we have exhibitors coming from as far away as Australia and Slovakia and Spain and Estonia and Belgium and they're all coming to exhibit because I think it's a great showcase. It's it's good uh, 
commercial sense, if you like, for um, exhibitors to exhibit their product in an expected up to 300,000 over the three days of the event. Absolutely. And a lot of business. I mean, we're, we're familiar with, you know, the ploughing aspect, which obviously is at the core of the championships, at the core of the festival. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there's many that will go that mightn't even see that. And they're they're over in the in the kind of the retail aspect of it. And there's entertainment. But at the core of it, as well as the ploughing, a lot of business takes place and a lot of people, you know, are maybe looking at, at new machinery, at new product development. They're looking at, you know, new equipment that could help to advance their business at home as well. So business is really to the forefront of it, Anna May. It is. It's very true to say that. And, you know, a lot of dealerships are struck during the days of the ploughing championships as well. And Enterprise Ireland, of course, bring in from a number of countries potential buyers for the machinery that is on display. And, you know, as well as machinery, like you'd speak about the dairy equipment, which is massive this year, All everything pertaining to um, dairying. And forestry is very good as well. Uh, you know, in the machinery section, we have to remember while you have the tillage equipment, you have the plant and you have the dairy, all the dairy equipment, you have forestry, you know, everything that's used in farming life would nearly be on display. I, I don't think anyone, Edward, can go home and say there was nothing at the ploughing that was of interest to me because you can move away from the machinery, you can go into the shopping arcades, you can, young children, is a playground there for the young children, and you can go into cookery demonstrations, which we're going to speak about, I hope, mm-hmm. because, uh, and, and of course, the fashion show and the pony games. Like, there's a big variety of uh, things there, not forgetting, of course, at all at all, over 300 competitors over the three days from every county in Ireland taking part in their competitions, hoping that they will qualify out of their class. And, of course, the ultimate winners, too, are selected to go to the World Ploughing. And that is in Estonia next year. It's in Lafayette this year. But the qualifiers qualified last year at our event in Ratnetka for that. And they will move out immediately after the national and go to Lafayette. And uh, again, of course, all of these things are highly contested. The competitions, people are people are gagging to kind of win win the prize for for uh, their section. <laughs> Of course they are, because you have the European competitions and you have the Northern Ireland competitions as well, which to qualify for. So, look, that's a big part of it. Uh, in You know, it was all, the event was, uh, the formation of the National Ploughing was in 1931. So we have a long history. And, uh, of course, it was all horse ploughing then, graduated into tractor ploughing and uh, few people still competing with the, the work farm um, Horse, you know, the work horse that we were on farms years ago. We have some from Kerry and Cork and uh, Monaghan and Sligo still competing in the horse ploughing. But to keep the horses just for the ploughing competitions. How fabulous. And I may yeah. talk to me about kind of uh, yourself, of course. You've walked with presidents and Tishi and diplomats and ministers and all of that come and it comes as a second nature to you. What are the kind of the, the things that, that keep you awake in the night in advance of the, of the championships? Well, let me say before I go to the high walk with yourself too. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always getting an invite for tea to the, to the headquarters, which is always yeah. lovely. Thank you. Look, at you know, your focus, I'm passionate about the whole event because I was very young when I started with the late founder, J.J. Bergen. And because I love what I'm doing, that keeps me going. 
I have to thank God every morning I get up that I was in, that I have enjoyed good health all along through the years. And it keeps you going. And I like working with people. I like meeting with people and working along with them as a team. It's a, a totally team effort. I don't do the event on my own and no one could. But I have a team on the field who I depend that will deliver and here in the office as well. It's a totally team effort. And then our own national organisation are very good. You know, they're, they're um, uh, representative from every county. They formed a national organisation. And they are very, extremely helpful. You know, I phone up somebody that I want something done. And they will deliver for you. There's no doubt about that. They love to do and to be involved. And, you know, we have a lot to deal with. Like if car parks, George, you have the local farmers that give the land, which is, they are very important to us. Because without the platform, you couldn't have the event. Absolutely. Now, Anna May, you mentioned there about the cookery element of the thing, that one of the events that has taken place uh, with considerable note for the last number of years is the Brown Bread Competition. I know it was reprised from earlier days in association with the NPA, Aldi and the ICA. Uh, the qualifying round takes place this coming uh, Tuesday in Ongreanon as well. But that gets lots of media coverage and lots of publicity over the event as well. And I know it's an, ev- it's an event that's very important to you yourself. It is indeed, uh, you know, well, we always said it's something for the ladies and of course it's open to, to, to the gents as well and of course last year we had a, a male that won the event and came right through to the final and Adley have been very good in supporting us. Uh, you know, the winner gets 15,000 euro as a prize and... Uh, it's a very hefty very, prize, isn't it? A very hefty prize for baking a brown cake and winning <laughs> through and then in addition to that, the brown, their brown, the winner's brown bread is on the Aldi shelf for six months after the event, which is another bonus. But uh, you're correct in saying that on Tuesday in Terman Thicken, we have the ICA final of that. Uh, 27 federations have got a winner and that will be adjudicated on Tuesday coming. And then the following day, any bread that was left into Aldi branches around the country will be adjudicated in Nace, in the Aldi Centre in Nace. So we'll end up with eight finalists competing over the three days of the event. And the ultimate winner then will be announced on Thursday around 2.30 in Ratneska at the Ploughing Championships. Absolutely. And Anna May, the question I'll always ask you at this time of the year, I presume uh, you'll be spending August getting the getting the rig outs ready and getting the coats ready for, uh, for the ploughing because people are always uh, looking at your own style as well as the style of the fashion show as well. <laughs> And what about your own style, Edward? Oh, I have to plan it as well. I want to, I, I want to give you the head. It's like a bridal party. I'll have to see what colours you're going with and I'll go with something complimentary. All right. Thank you very much for that. And don't forget that we're just appealing to everyone out there to book their tickets online this year and to do that well in advance. But uh, certainly we're looking forward to a big event. It's going very well, as I said. We have great support from exhibitors and uh, from the general public all over. So we look forward to good weather and happy times in Matneska this year. Please, God, and people can check out npa.ie for all of the and details. And we hope we'll have you there, Edward, too. You'll be demonstrating, you'll be doing some cookery demonstrations and some lovely recipes for us. And we look forward will. to having you there. If we could only grab you for the second day, I know we're, you're giving us one day, but we'd love to have you for all days if possible. But then you are a very busy person and 
maybe we might get the two days from you. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to see about that on Tuesday. We'll be having a bit of a lunch on Tuesday. I'm having a text here. It says, nice to hear Anna Mae today. She's a powerful woman with much to admire about her. And that's from Carmel Dawson, a good friend of both of ours, uh, Anna Mae. There we must leave it, Anna Mae. Nice to chat with you and uh, good wishes uh, for uh, the preparations. As I said, it's a big uh, undertaking, so good wishes to it and we'll talk to you again. Thank you very much, Edward, for having us on your lovely programme. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Happy Saturday to you. That's Anna Mae McHugh, their Managing Director of the National Plying Championships there, taking place in Rathganiska from the 19th of September to the 21st. Let's take a little break. Arash, Ikeon Kuplin Omeid. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Renovating your home? Then come visit the EnviroClad showroom Kilkenny. We have everything you need to create a beautiful space at your place. Products include PVC wall and ceiling panels for bathrooms and kitchens, hygienic PVC wall cladding, waterproof vinyl click flooring, PVC skirting and window boards. And new to our extensive range, SPC and FIBO solid wall panels. Free supply and fit quotation service available. Call 056 7752 or visit EnviroClad.com Hello everyone, Sean Swan, Swan's Electrical Expert Carlo here. Next Saturday sees Carlo Under 16 Camogie Girls in an All-Ireland Final in Burr. As proud sponsors of Carlo Camogie, we wish them all the best in their quest for All-Ireland glory. For coffee lovers out there, we have a huge selection of coffee machines in store. Choose from Sage, DeLonghi, Siemens, Smeg, at prices to suit every pocket. We also have a large range of Lavazza machines, and we stock Lavazza capsules for the genuine taste of real Italian coffee at home. All this and lots lots more in store when you shop local at Swan's Electrical Superstore Strawhall Carlo, where quality counts. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Now, good morning, you're very welcome back. Uh, a little notice here for you that the Ossery Agricultural Show, uh, originally uh, due for Sunday the 23rd of July, uh, unfortunately faced unforeseen challenges due to heavy rainfall and safety concerns. And of course, uh, as we all know, the safety and well-being of their attendees, participants and exhibitors have been a top priority. So I can now let you know this morning that the rescheduled Ossery Agricultural Show is on tomorrow, Sunday the 30th of July and it promises to be a great event with the same array of attractions taking place as well. So check that out. It's established since 1898, the Ossery Agricultural Show and certainly worth a visit and osseryshow.com is where you can find the full details on that. Just before we uh, take our leave, we're going to give you another little bit um, for the week that's in it, another little bit of Sinead O'Connor and here she is with Oroshe the Vahawalya. Great song there, and of course, uh, the world of music is mourning her loss um, as uh, her death was announced during the week. That takes me to the end of this morning's show. Thanks uh, to Martin Bridgman, who was with us right throughout the morning, and lots more still to come, as I said, here on KCLR. Um, Eddie is up next for the Saturday brunch. Robbie has his uh, usual special interview this afternoon at four o'clock uh, during the sports show, and uh, indeed, lots more music and chat on the station right throughout the day so don't turn the dial I'll talk to you God sparing us all next Saturday morning but until then God bless The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden KCLR
thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com.